One and two, three and four, five, six, seven, eight. One and two, three and four, five, six, seven, eight. All oh, right, stop, stop, stop. You're missing something. I'm not getting something. What is it? What am I not getting? What am I looking for? I know. Somebody else. Yes. 110%? You should be giving me 110% all of the time, but that is not what I was thinking of. What am I looking for? Okay. T and T. Correct. T and T. And what is T and T? Come up here and show them. T and T. Tits and teeth. Yes, tits and teeth. And before any of you have me up in sexism charges, do not forget this is my daughter. Welcome to Generation Loss, a show about movies with Bryn and Jeremy. Yeah, that's what it fucking is. That's what it fucking is. That's what it is. And I don't, <laughs> I, I'm personally mm-hmm. fucking tired of having to explain it every week. <laughs> you know? Yeah? You don't think we should say it? I've, you can't see it at home, but I've had it up to here. <laughs> <laughs> I've had it up to here. You guys can't see where my intro. hand is, but trust me, it's, it's high. It's high. It's higher than you think it it's is. It's high. I've had it up to here with explaining <laughs> that it's the show about movies with Brit and Jeremy. <laughs> That's right. How and, are you doing? Uh, how, 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 well, how? frankly, I'm steamed. <laughs> frankly, I'm steamed. <laughs> I'm steamed hams. <laughs> yep. I can't believe I've never said that before. I'm steamed hams. Yeah, I'm steamed hams. Well, because like... Uh, when your name is Hammond, you you get every ham-related nickname, you know. Oh, Hammond. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, you're Jeremy Steamed, steamed Hams. Hammond. Yeah, if, I'm, if I'm mad, I'm Steamed Hams. <laughs> oh wow! I, yeah, I have... I've been I've been Hams. I've been Hammy, but all the time it's Ham Bone. Ham Bone. Ham doesn't even have a bone. Yeah, but what there's... what bone is there in a ham? Isn't there one like right in the middle or no, something? No, there's no bone in a oh, ham. You I eat it know. in a sandwich. <laughs> I know, but when you get a big honey-baked ham. Oh, I don't know. Who gets a big honey-baked ham? For Thanksgiving and shit. You eat turkey on Thanksgiving. For Christmas. <laughs> if you're British. <laughs> and today we're talking about British shit. We are today. We're talking about British stuff. They might eat ham on Christmas. I don't know. But the point is... A big uh, honey-baked ham with a net in it, like it's wrapped in fishnet stockings. Yeah, right. Like it's a <laughs> slutty ham. <laughs> Yeah, you get a little a cheeky slutty ham for, for Christmas. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah, but that's that's neither here nor there. Uh, Bryn, you're chomping at the bit. What did you watch this okay, week? Okay, uh, so we we talked about uh, we're talking about British comedy, mm-hmm. and I have I watched something this morning actually. Um, Really weird. A shout out to Bakun on Twitter, mm-hmm. a um, a black dog who's very cute. Um, <laughs> that's all I know about him. He watches movies on Twitch, and uh, last night he watched a movie called Possum. Okay. And this movie is written and directed by the guy who you may know as um, Garth Marenghi. Okay. Yeah. Um. He 
his real name is something like Mark Summers or something. No, Mark Summers is the guy from, Mark uh, from Double Dare. <laughs> uh, Matthew Holness, excuse me. Okay. Um, <laughs> very so close. I was very close. <laughs> um, actually watched Garth Marenghi's, uh, Garth Marenghi's Dark Place for the first time last night. Oh, really? Uh, I watched the first episode. because um, Okay, so here's what happened. Bakun was watching this movie called Possum. And I was like, they were like, it's Darth, it's Garth Marenghi's Dark Place guy. And I was like, what is that? And I remember, oh, my friend Allison has told me about this. But I never actually watched it. So I watched the first episode on YouTube last night. Very funny. Very mm-hmm. weird and silly. Have you ever seen that show? Yeah, yeah. Huh. So it's all the people, all the British click people. It's Richard and O.T. And uh, that that sort of goofy, slick back hair guy from the IT crowd. Um, he's also in... Uh, what we do in the shadows. Um, but it's like a show that's about, um, a horror show like from the seventies that the BBC made and scrapped Mm -hmm. and then like got desperate and aired it. Um, so it's this weird sort of meta thing where it's from the seventies, but it's airing now. It's kind of like, um, in some ways it's, it's similar to, uh, like look around you (laughs) where did you ever see look around you? It's like supposed to be a British like educational. Yeah, exactly. It's like, it has the, like it has that sort of like attention to, to detail and like that sort of like vibe about it where it's like so much of it is about like, this is what this type of thing is like. Right. Um, so I, I watched the first episode. It's pretty funny. I don't have much to say about it, but Matthew Holness directed a film um, I believe his only film, he was the writer and director of it, and it's called Possum. It came yeah. out in 2018. Oh. Not funny. Very weird. Okay. <laughs> uh, it's not a funny movie. It's a psychological horror movie. Interesting. Um, that is about a guy. So it sort of feels like um, if a British kitchen sink movie like Kess or something was also a racer head mm-hmm. <laughs> um, in that it is hard to explain what's going on without just sort of giving you the overview of what the metaphor is. Um, But basically what happens is this guy who is the guy who played Ian Curtis in 24 hour party people. Right. um, He is this very sad looking man who's coming to what appears to be his childhood home, which seems to have been abandoned. It's like rotting from the inside, but his uncle still lives there or his stepfather or something Mm -hmm. um, still lives there. And he has a, he was a puppeteer. You learn that he was a puppeteer and his father was a puppeteer and he has this puppet in a bag, which for the first half of the movie, maybe first two thirds of the movie, he is um, trying to get rid of it. Like he's constantly going to weird areas of, I don't know where this movie takes place. I guess it takes place in like some uh, out, you know, the woods of, of England or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and he uh, he's trying to like put it in the woods. He's trying to bury it in the sand. He's trying to put it in a river. Um, but it keeps coming back. The thing about this puppet is that it is a five foot tall spider <laughs> with what appears to be and you don't really ever get a great look at it it's kind of always just seen out of the corners and like yeah um but as you get to sort of like understand what it is it appears to be like a weird death mask of his own face on spider legs so it's just like 
fucking horrifying and like he keeps having dreams where it's like moving and like walking around right um and like creeping around corners and stuff so uh. it's disgusting <laughs> it's like kind of grossing me out to talk about it yeah um it's uh very scary um but it like uh polanski's repulsion have you ever seen that movie no at a certain point you realize this is all in his head this is a metaphor for something right so you stop kind of being scared that anything real is gonna happen but like a racer head it doesn't matter because mm-hmm. things keep happening that are just disgusting horrible visual images yeah. <laughs> um even though you know that it's like not real it's still you're looking at it um so yeah he keeps trying to destroy this thing in that sort of what you start to learn about it is that he like wrote this book about like what the spider is and he his uncle is mocking him for it and it all ends up being this really sad metaphor for um like childhood sexual abuse and uh-huh. and, and psychological trauma around that and him trying to deal with that um and it's all sort of manifested around this puppet right and the the director wrote this this thing as a short story which makes a lot of sense he was like what he's like i don't want it to be cliche but his like professor or teacher was like write a story or oh no his publisher was like everyone's got to write a story about a f- their biggest fear and yeah. his two biggest fears were marionette puppets and doppelgangers <laughs> okay so he's like what if i make a marionette puppet that looks like Naturally, myself yeah, of course um so yeah so but then he, also with spider legs yeah I'll, <laughs> well i guess when they made the movie they were like what exactly is it going to be? It's just going to be him. And he was like, no, make it creepier. And yeah, because like a, the marionette, <laughs> I was picturing marionette at first when you were saying puppet. It's like, it is very cliche at this point, I feel. Yeah. The and creepy so puppet. He was like, no, I don't know if it's going to be that. It might be in the story, but in the movie, it is a huge spider. <laughs> yeah. Um, which is worse than you think because in... in I'm thinking pretty bad. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty bad. Um. <laughs> And they do a great job of not really showing it, uh-huh. like letting you sort of fill in the blanks of what it must look like. Um, and also letting it be kind of more than a puppet because, you know, keeping a puppet in a suitcase isn't that scary. And you you do like see that he's like just carrying it around at, at places, but they like hide it out of frame and stuff. Yeah. You see like a weird spider leg like, coming out into the frame. Um, so I guess I... Um, I don't want to spoil the ending or anything, but I would say that the, my biggest issue with the movie is that the beginning is kind of repetitive. Mm-hmm. Um, you spend a lot of time, like any art movie, like that's feels like in the last couple of years or like the last decade or so, that it kind of doesn't know what to do for a while. Where it's like, how do we make this short story like a long, right? A longer, yeah. It's only eighty five minutes. Um, Good length. Yeah, real, real tight. Um, but, uh, there's a lot of him sort of like looking really scared and sad all of the time and then just like putting it in a, in the forest and looking at it and then it'll cut to like, you know, balloons and weird art stuff, you know? Of course. Um, and it's, it's never funny. No, no, it's not a funny movie. Never funny. It's, I don't think there's zero funny humorless. It's a dark, dark movie. That's um, so interesting. And then the the sort of I think people have had this sort of um there's a kind of a reveal at the end. Honestly, when I watched it, I was sort of um still kind of confused as to what the real mm-hmm. like thing that was happening is like, well, did he because there's this the sort of thing they keep seeing on TV of like this kid has like disappeared and everyone seems to suspect that he 
kidnapped the child because he's fucked up and weird. Um, and so you're kind of not even necessarily clear what happened at the end. Um, I read somewhere online, someone like did a pretty good explanation of what's like supposed to be the truth of the movie. So it is a little open-ended and weird, but there is like a big, like kind of explanatory scene, but I felt like it wasn't too on the nose. Mm -hmm. It's definitely not. It reminded me a lot of this Cronenberg movie called spider. Um, where because it was a spider no he's not a spider he's just called a spider um <laughs> but it has a sort of similar tone and at the end the end of that movie is it was a dream the whole time right. and it luckily isn't that but like the metaphor becomes like a little bit unclear mm-hmm. um but i think the last half of this movie is really good and really really unsettling yeah <laughs> um so I, I mean, genuinely like i've seen z- exactly zero of this movie and i'm like like really creeped out by the giant spider <laughs> i mean look at this fucking cover it's a it's like a bag with oh, spider legs God. coming out of it <laughs> it looks like that the whole movie it's why is a, it possum though uh so he calls it possum um because it's like something that plays dead oh um, yeah and uh it's a it's a it's a big metaphor. There's of course. this thing that happened to him when he was a kid where they like shoved his face in like a dead fox and then it turned out the fox was playing dead and it ran away. Oh, and sure. Like, his sort of dealing with his emotional trauma of pretending like it's not happening, you know. Right, um, yeah. Don't want to say too much, but it, it, it is really... Um, don't want to say too much, but that fox was alive. <laughs> the fox was alive. Uh, lots of really... Uh, it, it's definitely taking from um he he said he was like uh taking from german expressionist films like mm-hmm. sort of silent nosferatu and caligari and stuff but it really kind of feels more like a david lynch movie or um it's not quite as he doesn't have command over tone mm-hmm. the way david lynch does like there's a few places where it just feels like a guy walking around britain um sure but i mean like it's his first movie. Yeah, I was gonna say it's not really. That's maybe not a fair. Uh, I can't. T- t- he's not <laughs> a fair David standard Lynch. to hold somebody to. <laughs> but he, he, doesn't really... have, he doesn't have David Lynch's mastery of tone. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But it, it's uh, if you have ever seen um, *Barbarian Sound Studio* by Peter Strickland, it feels very much like that. Where mm-hmm. do you know the guy who did *Duke of Burgundy*? No. Or in *Fabric*. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you have a movie show, Jeremy. You have to watch them. Uh, <laughs> but um, just wait till you hear what I watch. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it reminds me a lot of a Burian Sound Studio in the sense of like it's almost there with the tone. Uh-huh. Like there's so many cool ideas and such a like weird vibe. Um, but there's a couple places where it kind of falters and feels a little bit student filmy. Mm. Um, but so much of it is like some of the spookiest and unsettling shit I've seen in a long yeah. time. Um, and I think ends up being a good metaphor in a way that I haven't seen in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, oftentimes movies like yeah, this. Metaphor movies are always kind of like, I feel like every time I watch them, I'm either like, I don't get it or this was too much metaphor. So on the nose. Right? Yeah. I'm like stuffed full of metaphor here. <laughs> Couldn't well, the great bite. thing about it is that he's making it right. Cause he's right. the artist who, He's like made up this puppet. He made up this storybook and it's a way of him telling a real story, mm-hmm. but he can't face it because of how dark it is. And it is really upsetting. Um, 
and you don't want to face it as the audience. So you're kind of like, I guess I'm rather processing it through this puppet too, uh, even though it's disgusting. Um, So I think in that way, it hits a lot of really good, um, it it hits a lot of good notes. And I think it's it's not a perfect movie, but it's definitely, if you want to see something that is, is quite horror- but has a lot of really cool ideas and has a lot of cool images because it's shot on 35 too. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of great like darkness, like film grainy, um, really beautifully disgusting shots. Um, so it looks great too. So, uh, and the acting is incredible. Um, the, the guy's performance is just absurd. Um, so yeah, I, I recommend it. It wasn't perfect, but I, I really, I really enjoyed it. What did you watch this week? Damn, thanks for asking, Bryn. Um, <laughs> so I I had brought this up a couple of weeks ago, maybe, uh, that I'd watched the first half of uh, Rush Hour, and, uh, well, I finally got around to watching the second half this week. You watched Rush Hour 1? Yeah, the second half. Parts. I watched the second half of Rush Hour 1 this week. <laughs> okay. And wow, let me just say... You don't um, think you brought that up on the show, right? You just told me that you were maybe watching not, Rush I don't Hour. Know. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows anymore? Um, uh, yeah, I gotta say, wow, what a flick. Does uh, it hold up? What a good time. Yeah, it's a great time. It's a great time oh, with the great. movies. Absolutely. Uh, ten bags of popcorn. <laughs> really, really fun movie. Um, I loved Rush Hour. All of them. Yeah. When I was a Absolutely kid. incredible. Incredible good time. I gotta say... What an absolute shame that Chris Tucker like <laughs> gave up being an actor to be a full time pedophile yeah. because like <laughs> he's such a fucking talent. He's I know such a talent, and it's like unbelievable that he had this like tiny blip of a career and then just like just gone. It's unclear. Is he? Is his excuse that he's like religious or something? I thought I heard that he like wasn't in movies anymore because he thinks it's bad to oh, be for, in for like God or whatever or, or something. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what it is, but whatever it is, it's a fucking shame because he's so so compelling. And he's just, so, like he's so, so funny. Much fun. He's so charming. Yeah, he's good. He's good with action. He like do, like he doesn't feel out of place next to Jackie Chan, which is like such a hard thing to do because <laughs> <laughs> Jackie Chan is the best. Yeah. I mean, oh, this wow. is this I forgot like, this is what the original poster looked like. <laughs> yeah, right. It's not like peak Jackie, but it's like not far from it. I think it's pretty close. What it's would you say? Close. Police story? Yeah, police story. Like, um, uh, was it Rumble in the Rumble, Rumble the in the Bronx? Like, Fantastic movie. That era is like probably like peak peak Jackie, but like this is not far from it. No, I think I mean like First Strike. Do you ever see that movie? Mm-hmm. Um that one has a real soft place in my heart because it's so stupid. Yeah. But that was when he really started leaning into, I think the comedy. Right. And that's when I really, cause that's, I mean like, that's the best is when he yeah. like, when he finds the, when he, when he finds that path in to doing like, not just really good action, but like really good comedy, like physical comedy yeah. alongside the action, like genuine clowning that he's doing like, is literally like, like Buster Keaton level. Yeah. Funny. And then also fighting, yes, um, genius. And I think like I think those later ones, there's like a middle period because then he went on to do like tuxedo and like all the goofy like mm-hmm. American stuff. But there's a really nice middle period there when he was doing Rush Hour and like Shanghai Noon, and then like right the Chinese movies before that, and then those. Right. I think for me that's like 
kind of the best stuff he did because it's like the most entertaining all the way through. Because mm-hmm. like Police Story has incredible stuff in it, but it's like a little bit of a slog to like get through the talking parts. I right. Think. Yeah. <laughs> it's like who cares? It's- yeah. It's it's gener- generally speaking like it's yeah. Most of the time, like the movies are uh, in terms of plot, it's like I don't really. Yeah. don't really give a shit yeah. <laughs> i'm like i remember them by like if i see the stunt getting set up and i'm like oh it's this one yeah i don't think i could tell you what any of the movies are about and that's why i love first strike is because i remember everything about the movie oh. like even even like the non-fighting parts like the part where he's like watching that girl and singing i will follow you and mm-hmm. they make him get naked and like he's like taking off his clothes and then he's naked behind the car doors and stuff like that's not an action scene but it's a funny visual scene right but it has like some element of like his action choreography to it and stuff but like i yeah i think this era is is very good but like when he starts doing american movies is when like i think things start to go downhill for him because like even though he is still doing incredible choreography they are like cutting so much they yeah. cut so much in these scenes and you're like why are you doing that like <laughs> they don't know how because like you see like like you'll see something in the continuity where you're like this is still the same take yeah you just cut away in the same take what's the point because <laughs> i because they feel like they didn't i don't you know you gotta like make the hit look harder and whatever right. i get it but it's like I don't know, man. Like it's such a it's such a shame that we'll never see like the like the raw uncut rush hour. <laughs> yeah. And, and but uh let's see the movie he did right before rush hour was uh Who Am I? Did you ever see that movie? No. Um very serious Jackie Chan movie. Oh. But th- but a, that's a Chinese one that was uh really entertaining anyway. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah, he was this is this whole 90s i think stuff was really great crime story <coughs> police story three lots of great stuff yeah anyway He's, so rush hour so rush hour yeah it's it's it, it's interesting to rewatch um there's a lot of stuff that you don't really remember it it does the same thing as you remember when we were talking about beverly hills cop that like there's this kind of like common refrain that they keep coming back to where like Eddie Murphy will like know something. And yeah, be yeah. Like, how do you know? And he's like, I'm a black guy. <laughs> like, yeah, I yeah. know how crime works. I'm a black guy. <laughs> right. Like they do that a lot with Chris Tucker. Really? Where Like there's a lot of times where like something's going down. And he's just like, I have a I have a sixth sense for this. I'm yeah. black. Uh, <laughs> I know the streets. Yeah, I understand Chris Tucker. what's happening. I know every black person in, yeah. in L.A. Which is how cops work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um there's like some weird shit that i'm like i don't know what this is doing here like there's it open his part of the movie opens with um he's doing like a bust of some guy who sells bombs okay and i think uh, i remember this the guy is like uh selling him a bomb and he's like you know undercover and then uh, the, some beat cops come and like fuck up the deal, right? And uh, the guy bugs off, and he's like, "Oh shit, I gotta stop him!" And he like runs out in the middle of the street and starts shooting at the car, and then the car just like explodes really big. <laughs> and then he it cuts back to him, and he's just like dancing and like just doing some dance and whatever. Yeah. And you're and they're playing music over it, and so you're like, "Okay, I get it," but like in real life like in in universe 
There's no music. No. What's he dancing to? He's just doing What's a happening dance. here? <laughs> yeah. He, he just thinks it's cool he blew up a car? <laughs> <laughs> he thinks he's awesome. I like the part when they go to the, the club and he's like fucking with the guy who's his cousin or something. Yeah, and like yeah, he's yeah. like, Don't you touch my suit? My mama bought me this suit. It's my yeah, favorite your suit. Your mom bought me this suit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he's like trying to front for Jackie Chan or whatever. Yeah. But that's kind of part of the same thing, right? Is it's like it's this thing where it's like, yeah, like because he does end up getting valuable intel from that interaction. Yeah, yeah. So it does, like, even if it is, like, explained as, like, a funny thing that he's doing, kind of, like, gas up Jackie Chan, like, he still is getting valuable intel just <laughs> by being, like, a magical crime black guy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's how you got to write those guys. <laughs> yeah. Because, <laughs> I mean, um, that's, that's the thing. It's like, what else is a black cop supposed to be, I guess? Right. <laughs> or detective, right? Yeah, it, it, he's a detective, yeah. But, like, in... Yeah, because it's, like, either you're, like... They never they never write the black cop to be, like, the super competent, like, super detective. Like, there's no mayor right, of exactly. East Town where it's, like, hey, like, this black guy's an incredible detective and he's solving a crime in, like, his charming town or whatever. Uh-huh. And then he'll never get to be, like, the big choreographed action star because that's always going to be either an asian guy or, or like jason guy. statham yeah, yeah exactly. like someone who's like really proven themselves as an action guy <laughs> right <laughs> yeah because this is the 90s right yeah. like you're not allowed to have what denzel i guess has like later in his yeah, life Yeah, they're never gonna the- like choreograph for denzel they're not gonna uh-huh. choreograph for like chris rock like yeah i can't, of which, I can't i've even- heard dog shit things about fucking spiral from the book of saw i know i'm so disappointed everybody but then it's like everybody is talking about how bad it is but it's like have you guys have you guys watched saw like have you watched saw six yeah it's all really bad yeah are you familiar with the (laughs) franchise are you because the 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 one um what is the fun one five no six is the fun one six is the fun the one with the, the, one with the like business the, guy yeah yeah with the, yeah, with yeah. the health insurance right? yeah and then seven is 3d i think or no seven is jigsaw and then eight is i still haven't completely what is jigsaw is that like a prequel yes because that's what you have to do you at have, some point they had to reboot it because he was dead because he's dead and you like made that choice so early in this yeah. franchise <laughs> that you're making so many movies of and you're just like i don't care about the junkie girl yeah. at all no, she's not that <laughs> interesting or compelling um yeah so but it's weird that that people are like it's actually bad it's like yeah no shit no one thought it was gonna be good yeah, no <laughs> but i but i but I hope it's fun. I'm still going to watch it. The problem is they made the trailer look like it was going to be like a good movie. Like they were going to be like, wait, are they doing like a dark night? Of Jigsaw? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cause that's going to be the next, that's going to be a trend in film soon. Maybe not the next trend, but that's going to be a trend in film soon is they're going to start doing like serious. I mean, I guess they sort of did that with, um, uh, I guess that's kind of what the Halloween movies are, right? Is like Dark Knight for Michael Myers. <laughs> uh, I guess. You get what I'm saying, right? Where it's like Dark Knight is like this like Gritty. Took a campy character that like had just gone off the deep end of camp to the point where they couldn't make movies I, yeah, anymore. Yeah, you're right. And then they were like, here's what we're doing. We're doing straight-faced, serious, like 
cinematic art movie of like you know you know of batman because halloween so rob zombie did his reboot right and that was not really what you're talking about yeah no that was shit the david gordon green reboot is not a reboot it's literally a sequel to halloween one right it's halloween two called halloween 2018 so seriously yeah it's very serious and it is as taken as serious as the first one. Right. And that's the thing is that all of those movies went campy mm-hmm. because they wouldn't. Franchises weren't a thing back then. Right. Like yeah. they weren't really like there was James Bond, I guess. But even that was very campy. I guess Casino Royale kind of is Dark Knight for James Bond. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely is, yes. <laughs> um, and I think they're going to do... Just going to keep on doing that. They should do Dark Knight for Jigsaw. They should do... <laughs> they should they, do maybe like they tried. The serious, I mean, maybe that is what this tried to do, and it did, didn't work. Yeah. Who else could get like a Who else could get like yeah, a Dark who could, Knight? Who could, get a, who could get Dark Knighted? Who could get Dark who's, Knighted? Who's so stupid and shitty? Because they did that for uh, Freddy. Friday the 13th. Oh, yeah, but that They did a sucks. real serious Oh, yeah, one. they did that weird fucking Jackie Earl Haley yeah. where he's like, I'm a pedophile. I'm a pedophile. <laughs> <laughs> you don't understand. Uh-huh. <laughs> I fuck kids. <laughs> they should do a rush hour. Dark, yeah. Dark Knight rush hour. <laughs> Dark Knight rush hour. But Jackie Chan's too old now. Yeah, it would just be like a, a very serious black man and a very serious Asian man. And well, no, they have to have the it's two of them se- back. It, no, no, no. It's seven... <laughs> <laughs> well it's, but it's okay so it's seven for it's a, rush hour it's a gritty reboot of rush hour but it is them and it's okay, part oh. of it is like it's like um dark knight returns where it's like the set like there's like a certain sadness to it because it's like jackie chan can't do it anymore right yeah and like he just has to like watch as things happen around him and be like i'm too I'm too, too old, old now. Yeah. I can't like. <laughs> yeah, well, I can't do the fun like handcuff jumping through the handcuffs thing anymore. Yeah, what I'm everyone loves about action movies is when it's sad. <laughs> 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 is when it's really depressing and unfun. Yeah, the thing people love about like highly choreographed action is when uh, there are severe limitations due to health. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and everyone feels bad for the main characters <laughs> for, do you this seems like something you'd remember is what was it that jackie chan got like semi-canceled for um uh being against the hong kong protests oh okay so he was he, he was, was pro china yeah okay so he was based he was based yeah <laughs> <laughs> i couldn't remember what it was i just remembered that um uh, an Asian friend of mine had called him the Asian Uncle Tom, and I was like, "Oh, really? Really?" <laughs> I mean, I, re- I didn't remember what it was, and I was like, "For an American uh, Chinese person, yeah, like they don't like communism yeah. or the f- sort of fake communism that they have in China, <laughs> right? Yeah, um, which is still better than America, <laughs> in my opinion. Um, but yeah, uh, I, 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 um, I think Ch- Rush Hour." I think I would also think it would hold up pretty good. It definitely holds up. Highly recommend rewatching it. Do you think it's, two does? I'm gonna watch it next. I will probably talk about it next. Week. I just remember Zhang Ji is in it. I love her. Yeah. Um, two. I remember actually. I mean, as far as I remember, it is better, right, than one. I remember because they it like better. push everything so much further. 
I remember actually just last... two is the one where he has the bomb in his mouth, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Last year I watched the end of it mm-hmm. where they like uh, it, I don't it wasn't on TV because I don't have TV, but for whatever reason I saw like the last scene where they like jump down those huge like Chinese banners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that part was still really fun. I was like, damn, I want to watch this again. <laughs> yeah. So I used to um I used to work in the financial district and my office there was like a um there's like a bond me place like right around the corner that I used to go to all the time. And every day, every day, Rush Hour was playing on loop. <laughs> and so every time I would go there to like get a sandwich, I'd like watch 15 minutes of it to, as I was waiting for my sandwich. And so like over the course of like a year that I worked at this place, like I like six caught, times here. I caught those movies in full, but just like in little <laughs> dual truncated parts. Just waiting for a pond me like, yeah. oh yeah. Oh, this is the part where my daddy catch a bullet. (laughs) (laughs) My daddy catch a bullet. (laughs) I love the bloopers at the end when, like, Chris Rock is trying to say like "shishuni." Oh yeah, he's like, "See, you can't say anything in my language. (laughs) You can't say one word." Oh, like, well, the classic one, of course, is like, "Damn, he ain't gonna be in Rush Hour 2. (laughs) Oh yeah, (laughs) very clever, Chris. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thank All you right. for your service. I'm sorry that you're a full-time pedophile. <laughs> yeah. I'm still holding out hope that it was all a big mistake. Big mistake. <laughs> you got on the plane, you saw all the little girls, and you were like, what? <laughs> what is this? How and then you, this... you flew to to, uh, to Kenya. Oh, right. They went to Africa. With they went Bill, on, Bill he was on the Africa trip with, with um, Kevin Spacey. Mm-hmm. And I almost said Kevin Nealon. <laughs> Don't slander Kevin Nealon. How funny would it be if Kevin Nealon was on the flight logs? (laughs) No. (laughs) It's Jeffrey Epstein's plane featuring... (laughs) Musical guests. (laughs) Featuring Bill Clinton, Matt Groening. (laughs) And introducing Chris Tucker. (laughs) Virginia Jeffrey <laughs> Les Wexner <laughs> Alan Dershowitz Ghislaine Maxwell <laughs> Were there any musicians on, on the flight logs ever? Hmm I don't know. Who could be the musical guest? Musical guest, Eric Clapton. Because Eric fuck Clapton. <laughs> because fuck him. Whatever. <laughs> All right, let's talk about this. <laughs> Enough about non-surrey. Let's talk about British TV yes. legend uh, and non-pedophile, but big asshole. Yeah, just and a big weirdo. old asshole, generally. <laughs> as far as we know, uh, Ricky Gervais yeah uh and the uh tel- second television show he made extras yes is this is the movie we're talking about this week <laughs> mm-hmm. season one it's a movie so when jeremy came to me and said we are going to be watching an entire season of a show i was like no <laughs> but extras being a british show is only is a six series long six episodes six episode series. series or whatever yeah and, and and they're all half hours and so it's a three hour movie. and ricky gervais famously at least at the time i don't know if this is still true of him but at the time at least had a famous rule that his shows would only be two seasons and a christmas special and then they were oh, over yeah. 
Oh yeah, um, I, I read about that. Yeah. Um. So yeah, this is yet another two seasons and or two series and a Christmas special. Uh huh. The a very British rule, I have to say. Yeah. <laughs> they love Christmas specials. Well, it's because of um, uh, Faulty Towers. Is that is did that run for two seasons? Faulty Towers did Christmas two special? series and Christmas special, and and that was he considered it to be the the perfect sitcom. The pinnacle of British comedy, which is absolutely true. It's, it is it's funny. Such like a it. perfect show. I like it's it. so funny. I'd like usually. I watch it a lot growing up. Um, so this is a show about um, Ricky Gervais basically playing himself, but his name is Andy. And his name his- is Andy Millman, and he is a um, he's a former banker who quit his job to become an actor aspiring actor yeah uh and he is when we meet him he's working as an extra on various film sets trying his best to schmooze his way into being a regular actual actor trying to like get little bit parts here and there get little speaking roles here and there and and that's most of what the show is he hangs out with his friend maggie who's played by ashley jensen yeah um and they have a sort of eventually sort of will they won't they relationship later Mm -hmm. on in the series but mostly they are platonic friends yeah who get all the same movies somehow he has an agent played by Stephen merchant who also co-created the show i Mm -hmm. think yes um who's also a complete idiot and funny um as a completely uh doesn't know how to do his job agent um but yeah, so it's basically just five episodes of him on random sets and getting into random hijinks. And then one episode that is his real life. Um sort of, yeah. It's um, like it's like the nightmare surreal version of his real life. Yeah, exactly. Where he like finally gets his big break. Where although he wasn't an extra in real life, I think he was like a radio he... host. Oh, okay. And then he got his big break making the TV show. And in this so case, you, he's an extra, and then he got his big break in the TV show. You told me before, I don't know if we've ever mentioned this on the show, but you you probably have, that you really like Richie, Ricky Gervais, and you think he's a great comedy TV writer. Yeah, um, I mean, at the time. I think uh, nowadays he sucks. I think not only is he just like a huge asshole generally, but also like his shit, like Derek isn't very good. Okay. Um, and then there was like some How, so show he did for Netflix. Him? I mean, I'll, I'll, because this show specifically was such a huge influence on me. Mm-hmm. Like I'll always give everything he does some sort of a chance. Okay. Um, but he made something for Netflix that was like absolute trash too. Uh, was it called afterlife? Yes. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem with him is that I feel very strongly that, uh, Stephen Merchant was kind of the the goods behind the counter. You know, like he was really kind of the one who was keeping these things together. Um, yeah, I was wondering about that because uh, I read a rev- or I read an interview. There was a funny like clickbaity tile. It was like Stephen Merchant reveals why they haven't worked together, mm. and like the 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 interview was just like we just we still are friends and we just haven't. <laughs> <laughs> if yeah. the, if something came up we would but we just wanted to work on different stuff so you know yeah i don't like, think anything happened between them i just mean yeah. he's the, like me and carl and ricky like hang out <laughs> yeah i'm sure they're all still friends and stuff i i just think that like creatively speaking like he's like ricky is a very good performer yeah i think he's got a good really good sense of like what's funny in a performance but i just don't think he's a good writer at all 
Mm. And I think Stephen Merchant was the one who was keeping these scripts working. Really? But, so I'm curious. You'd never seen this before. I had never seen this. What is your just like general impression of it? You know, so it was interesting because I had seen. You'd seen the famous the parts Stewart. is how you'd said it. Yeah. I'd seen the famous parts. The Patrick Stewart clip. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've seen everything. Right. And I had seen. Well, there's another one. That's the more famous one. Um maybe the Ben Sillers thing or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'd never really, wa- I never watched the show. Um, but I was pleasantly surprised uh, for the first little while that it was uh, just funny. You know, yeah. it was a, it's a funny, awkward show. Um, it's refreshingly. So I had seen some of the original office uh, and never really liked it because mm-hmm. it's so awkward. And right. like that sort of sense of humor, like, doesn't really jive with me like i don't like to feel uncomfortable as like i don't mind feeling uncomfortable in something that's about feeling uncomfortable like todd salons or something yeah but if it that's not funny to me like just someone being an asshole Mm -hmm. um and so the office registered as just like a guy being an asshole and i'm supposed to think that's funny um never really worked for me this is about a guy who is I think what's great about extras is that it's about somebody who has really relatable ego problems Yes, and is sort of very upfront about them. And the writing feels very Mm self-deprecating. And so it is awkward and they both are awful people to each other um, and in certain places to other people. Um, But they sort of feel bad about it. And like, you know, you can, it's a lot. It reminded me a lot of Curb, mm-hmm. where it's like I was going to say you're often agreeing with them in it's, certain it's ways. It's very with, similar to Seinfeld. Yeah, and it makes a lot of sense to me that him and Seinfeld are are very close friends, yeah, and that they course. like that they jive a lot on comedy is because like this and Seinfeld are the two sitcoms that I consider to be like the peak form of like type of guy comedy <laughs> yeah. where it's like so much of what is funny about those shows is like that they will like uncover and pinpoint and just so perfectly define and like stretch to like every conceivable place a type of guy that you just like didn't even think <laughs> of but then immediately recognize yeah yeah like in um in the uh, Samuel Jackson episode mm-hmm. when there's the guy who the older guy who Ricky meets and he's like he's like uh, just uh, he gets approached by the producer oh, the, guy who's the, like hey you know th- there's a speaking part do you want it and he says uh, no I've already been seen on camera oh he hasn't been seen and he gets Ricky a, a speaking line with Samuel Jackson which is like huge for him in his career right so excited um, and then his condition is like oh yeah just Take me out. Yeah. Take me out for a night. And Ricky's like, <laughs> I don't know. And that's such a funny, it's like a, it's such a small ask. Yeah. At first. <laughs> and this is like, and he's immediately ten, like, not sure he's wanting to do that, but he's like, eh, okay. It's, but it's like truly the lift is like so minimal for, for Ricky's character, but like <laughs> he, it still is like so much to him because it's like, just these like little traps that he sets where mm-hmm. he's like, I had a friend who was really funny. Oh, we used to have a laugh. We used to have a laugh. Oh, so much fun. Anyway, one time someone threw acid in his eyes and he went blind. <laughs> he never laughed again. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, oh, okay. 
and his reactions are so like also so relatable and funny. Yeah. Uh, yeah. His, his performance in this show is, is fantastic. Yeah. I, I really, he's, I've never seen anything before or since where Ricky Gervais was anything I would consider charming, mm-hmm. but like he's, especially in the last couple episodes, he's like likable. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and I've always hated Ricky Gervais. <laughs> um, I mean, and he's playing unlikable people usually. Right. Like he, that's his sort of his deal. But in this one, he's just playing sort of the, the straight guy. Um, and everyone else is insane. And he really does it really well, I think. Right. Um, and his sort of trying to give himself out of situations by digging himself deeper in lies is, is incredibly entertaining and yeah. funny. Um, like by the time that sort of it, it, that one is a funny one because uh, the fat older guy who wants him to take him out, it kind of culminates in uh, him lying about his dead mother. Yes, and, like, incredible going to a- scene. <laughs> him squinting, squinting at the at the at the tombstone. Like he's been so clearly caught in this lie, and he like he's like, "That's not your mother's grave." Oh, isn't it? <laughs> squinting at the fucking uh, grave. Is it? Is it, is it not? <laughs> he's like oh your mother was born in 1800 <laughs> yeah 1880 yeah. so she was 90 when she died oh yeah real real yeah. old mother so how old's your father have to be at least 50 <laughs> <laughs> you know, how old are you i'd have to be at least 50. yeah i have to be at least 50 he's like wow you look good he's like yep <laughs> yep uh, he's like clearly isn't buying it but just continuing it because he's too stubborn yeah um that stuff just is so good, um, and it's is very British and and doesn't sure. always register to me as like gut busting or like. But I I was enjoying it a lot. Um, but what's funny about that one is that the ending of that storyline is just he goes on the thing and then is so frustrated and that he just puts his face in his soup. Yeah. <laughs> and that's like the end. He like doesn't know how to really get out of that <laughs> s- scene. He's just like, fuck you, bye. <laughs> 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 Which he should have done the whole time. Yeah. Just be like, no, man, I'm not going to do that. I'm sorry, bye. <laughs> or I don't know, you know. Right. Um, but it is a lot of fun and ridiculous kate winslet is great kate winslet's great just being a weird so, horn dog for folks that don't the structure of the show essentially is always going to be sort of the same where it's like the episodes will be there's like some celebrity guest who's there for one reason or another and uh andy will have some opportunity that presents itself that it's like oh my god this could be my thing i can finally like get out of being an extra and become a real actor like i've always wanted to be and then something he does or something Maggie does or something that uh, his agent does will like make things too awkward such that now this opportunity no longer exists. Yeah. And what's great is that like the second season really like takes that even further where like the last episode, like you said, is like is not that sort of structure of like he's an extra on a film set and he meets somebody and he tries to get you know, further along or whatever. The last episode is he gets the sitcom, right? He, he like, right. he gets the contract to make the sitcom and they take him into the BBC. And instead of like having one moment where he fucks it up and then it's all over, he has one moment where he fucks it up 
and then the whole second season is just punishing him for that <laughs> and like he finally gets his dream but it's like more warped and fucked than he could ever have imagined and like they just like change the show and change the show and change the show until it's just like he's like on um like uh, uh like big bang theory <laughs> like his show that's supposed right. to be like the office which like you said is like this really dry and like awkward and like cringe inducing intense experience sometimes turns into like you know big bang theory big laugh tracks he's wearing like giant glasses and like a wig and whatever <laughs> yeah i haven't seen the second season i was gonna yeah, ask yeah. you about that is the second season good and worth it's watching? better it's better than the first it's season better because everyone disagrees the first with season you. is is a very good like i think the first season is an easier entry point just because it's one? it's very episodic and it's very like each episode can be watched on its own. There's a reason why there's like five different orders you can watch it in. <laughs> orders? Can, huh? Orders? Yeah, because there's the one that we watched it in where it's oh, like right, right, the, right. Uh, the Vinnie Jones episode is first and then the Ben Stiller episode is second. But then like the initial airing had like Kate Winslet first and whatever. Yeah. The first the bunch first of episodes three can go four in whatever order. It doesn't matter. Don't matter. I think in the Samuel L. Jackson episode, he does mention that he's writing. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of plays into the sixth episode. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the first three or four episodes, like it, it's just little fishbowls. Yeah. Um, but I, I really loved the sixth episode mm-hmm. and i thought that that was it, it feels is it longer it felt really like a whole little movie in and of itself of like him sort of he barely ever mentions that he's writing he always right. wants to be an actor um but he's just like yeah i have had this i have this i have the script i have mm-hmm. this like whole other thing um which i thought was funny because it's just like i guess he's like well if we do a second season it would be about this or something right um it's interesting that they didn't develop that throughout the rest of the show mm-hmm. where he's also a writer or like trying to get yeah, himself you'd think into- they'd throw it in there a little bit, but I think kind of the idea is it, it plays into this kind of ever present thing that really becomes very poignant in the second season is that like ultimately at the end of the day, like Andy's not a good actor. Like Andy's <laughs> yeah. not actually talented at all. Like all of this is like you, you kind of pointed out right at the beginning is that it's like, it's a show about ego and so much of what drives Andy to become an actor is just ego. And he, he thinks that he's entitled to all these things. And like every time he gets an opportunity, he blows it from his own awkwardness, but he also sometimes just blows it because he kind of sucks. He's not very <laughs> talented. Yeah, that was one of the great things about this show is that like he never acts, and he always seems. There's an episode. W- the the one, one episode where you see him act is the Les Dennis episode when right. he's the gay genie. Yeah, which is uh, amazing. It's and so funny, so fucked up and weird. One of the I like that one was almost too uncomfortable for me, um, <laughs> but it is very funny. Uh, he does finally land a real gig and he's just whining about it mm-hmm. and like, isn't into it. And it's like, he's embarrassed to act Yeah, in any, he's like, what he wants is to be a cool guy who gets to like, he's just like his whole reason for wanting to act is for a power fantasy. Right. Like he wants to see himself as like a cool guy who gets a girl or like does action or like, is a badass. He doesn't right. want to act for acting's sake. So if I could spoil a little bit in the second season for yeah. you, like, so most of it revolves around his sitcom, right? And, and, you know, the various ways in which it's being twisted and warped from his original vision and how that's making him 
you know, upset and he doesn't feel like he's doing real acting and he doesn't feel like he's doing real writing and like the show is just not what he wanted. Yeah. And like <clears throat> at some point he finally lands like a real real gig and it's like a it's whatever the British version of Broadway is, right? He's like okay. in a play, not a <laughs> musical, it's a drama, you know, and he's like on stage and it's a story about like it's like uh two guys who are like married to women who like have like a gay affair together right and it's like a romance between them and he's like really he's like really putting his, his shoulder into it right and it's like it's serene mckellen is the director wow and um and and it's like a whole thing and then but like halfway through the episode like some bully from high school like reemerges. <laughs> and is like like, oh you're a queer yeah exactly (laughs) starts like making gay jokes about him whatever not even knowing that he's in the show just making regular gay jokes like he would have when he was a kid yeah yeah. and then like that gets so in his head that he's just like he's like i can't be i can't be (laughs) gay on stage and whatever and so like (laughs) the the end of the episode is like there's like the peak of the play is supposed to be that him and and his lover like kiss and and then (laughs) get really close and he's like i fucking i told you guys i wasn't comfortable with this i didn't want to do this and he like gets up and storms off stage <laughs> like during the scene during the play during like opening night oh of the play God. he like storms off stage because he doesn't want to kiss the guy oh that's so awful <laughs> uh, it's so intense i can't yeah well i'm gonna watch it um you gotta watch it it's so yeah, good yeah uh no i mean it was and the christmas special is like genuinely one of the most like heartwarming endings well, that's of a tv so show i've ever seen like I, I the sixth episode or you know um the sh- it starts with him like talking to patrick stewart about writing and right, like, right, right. it's the very famous funny one but what's funny is that that doesn't matter at all like it's it, it's basically only a setup for the nice way he apologizes to mm-hmm. his friend maggie who also has a really interesting arc, which I hope continues in series two. Her story gets like way sadder. Oh no. (laughs) (laughs) Because she's like this very interesting, like type of person you don't really see, which is a woman who's like arrested development. Like she's sort of a soy boy, like bug man of less like, (laughs) like, you know, having posters that she had when she was 13, uh, in her adult apartment. Yeah, her messy apartment um, with her, like, blackface toy and whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, She's a kid, you know? She's, like, doesn't... Hasn't grown up yet. Um, but wants stuff out of life, but doesn't really know how to do it. And it's, Yeah, it like, doesn't really have a direction that she's pointing herself in. And, yeah. like, Ricky kind of just chews her out in the last episode of the season. For, because she fucks something up for him, and so he, like, takes it out on her. insane and irresponsible. And, like, yeah. no one would actually do it, but it, like, <laughs> is funny because they're they're funny characters right um but i think that i think every step of the way it sets up this sort of you know their relationship hopefully it stays just friendship but like as just a friendship is so nice Mm -hmm. you know i mean maybe it will be a romantic relationship i don't know but what you see in this series that we watched is um is just these like two people who have a really good friendship and like working relationship and uh you know when she does really fuck up something for him you really feel bad for him yeah as well as her like that whole situation really worked for me where it like comes to her house to be like fuck you man like yeah. that really sucked i can't believe like i don't know if you're fucking with me or you think you're trying to help me or something like that felt really like an earnest thing right um and it was strange because 
there wasn't really anything like that in the yeah. show up until that point. And it was just like, you felt really bad for her and you felt really bad for him. And you didn't know if like the show had consistently done five episodes in a row of one of them fucking up something for each other. And then that being funny and then pulled this weird, like magician's trick at the end where it's like, Oh yeah, that's actually not funny at all. Yeah. Like this is really de- deeply serious. And it was, and it feels really like a real show. Um, and I thought that was great. I, yeah, that's a. I mean, that's a big part of the charm of it, and why it's like one of my favorite shows ever. Right? Mm-hmm. Is that it's like it's not only funny most of the time, right? It's also like it is very heartfelt and it's very like well told as a story, and it like yeah. really does at times feel like like oh, I'm watch- like actually watching a real story unfold here. Like it's mm-hmm. not. It, there's like a certain cheapness that could come with having a celebrity guest every episode yeah but it's like really well justified every time like there's never a time where you're like i don't know why this guy's here like they they make it make sense and sometimes it's like sometimes it's somebody big like samuel L. jackson sometimes it's somebody small like les dennis and you're like this makes sense you know right the first episode of the next season i think is uh lily allen's dad um <laughs> yeah it's funny because i don't know half of the british like the the comedian episode yeah. what was that guy um, the one who who yells about fannies in the bar at the end. Oh yeah, Les Dennis. No, that's Les Dennis. Yeah. Oh, I thought you meant the uh, who's the gay director of the genie one. Oh, that guy. I don't know who that is, but he's that's <laughs> my favorite of the like type of guy characters. <laughs> yeah, the, that is it, such it, a insanely weird character, <laughs> insanely gay but closeted like uh-huh yeah married guy who's but like, then with his daughter and like the a- dynamic between them <laughs> and like the way that he's like torturing her to like do performance as well for nobody abusive show dad and, and it's just like it's it's one of those times where you're like i never realized this type of guy existed but i've known this type of guy yeah, like i've yeah. seen this dynamic play out how do you like what creative process brings you to the place where you're like, I need that guy in this show? Mm-hmm. Probably just knowing that guy. If I trying guess. to be in show business, I guess. <laughs> it's so bizarre. It's so good, though. That's that dynamic between the two of them is like one of my favorite things in the whole series. Uh, between Ricky and and no, between uh, Bunny and and his uh, oh daughter. yeah, the, the daughter and yeah. the the director bizarre really strange and i love her like can i grab a couple sandwiches after (laughs) maggie like trying i didn't expect to be sent home (laughs) (laughs) yeah um but yeah i think it's a weird show because it's just bite-sized that what it what's so i think subtly smart about that is that like even though the first four episodes can be interchangeable it's still they all each do a really great job of setting up their relationship mm-hmm. and so when that sixth episode finally comes where it isn't funny and it is serious you really feel it yeah um and they seem like real characters and a real friendship that you've kind of didn't even realize you were invested in right um because it's just they're just assholes but like they're both assholes and trying to figure themselves out like they're not very good people but like they're genuine people right um who have a genuine relationship and maggie is probably more of a good person than ricky is because like maggie at least like has this sort of sense of 
of like she doesn't know what she's doing most of the time like right. she's a great deal dumber than he is <laughs> which is a, a running joke yeah she doesn't know something he's like why do i hang out with you <laughs> one thing i wanted to say that didn't age well mm. was the atheist episode um yeah well, oh it was um there's there's a scene the where woman with cerebral palsy yeah yeah um not not offensively but it was funny because it's like there's this weird um like scene where she's like you do you not believe in god and he's like no i'm an atheist let's ex- let's take like moments of the mo- of the show to like explain what atheism is right it's like very funny because he's such like an epic like reddit guy yeah um that he was like i want to take a minute to explain that like no i'm not agnostic i'm an atheist that means i don't believe in i believe that there isn't a god or whatever right, like yeah and it's just like who cares yeah this um, is you're wasting so much <laughs> of our time and it's that like could be better spent on all of the other funny stuff from that situation right like, which i mean it does get there's funny so much funny stuff around like him in that suit <laughs> is so great like give us more of that yeah. give us another one of him trying to clap like anything else <laughs> it was just really weird to like have that dropped in the center where it's just like yeah, oh, yeah absolutely ricky being like a dawkins guy is yeah, like it's, it's very soapboxy in mm-hmm. what is otherwise like such hilariously like tactless handling of everything else yeah, like, yeah. like they could have definitely like had a moment to soapbox about racism in, in that episode mm-hmm. but instead they're just like I just had a blackface doll in my house and like <laughs> he saw it and I saw it and it was weird. <laughs> yeah. And they're both completely incapable of handling that situation yeah. because of their internalized racism. <laughs> and it's great. I mean, it's like, it's very funny. And like Samuel L. Jackson and them just to get to be like, fuck you guys. <laughs> like yeah. you're bad people. <laughs> and it's like, yes, obviously. And that's a much smarter way of doing everything of it. Um, but yeah, it, it ends up besides that one thing that just felt so funny. Yeah. In like up oh, this is that stuff about him that I know from Twitter and stuff was just yeah. like, besides that. The one thing that stood out to me on this rewatch that I didn't love, even though I do think that the the relationship between Andy and Maggie is like very well set up, their initial conversations every time the camera comes to them always feel really fake yeah they always feel like um like the, a show like the old simpsons joke of the like so i says to mabel i says like it's <laughs> just like the kind of thing that is just like stuck into a script to be like we need to be talking about something when the camera gets to us right <laughs> <laughs> yeah you're right but i mean otherwise fucking great show, great show. love it absolutely adore i it. think we both recommend it yeah i think it was a, i mean it's, it's three hours of your time it's like not not much time at it's all. It's not much time and at I all. And I highly recommend the second season and the Christmas special. And I do recommend the original Office. And uh, additionally, uh, Life's Too Short is pretty good, too. Is it really? Yeah. Who's the uh, Warwick Davis? It's Warwick that, Davis right? is, is the that, main character. And it's that, much less tactful with the celebrity guests. But I think it still works. Is that also two seasons in a Christmas special? I don't know if they did the Christmas special, but they, it's two seasons oh, it's at least. it's two series. Um, um, yeah, I personally... I haven't revisited the office in a long time, mm-hmm. but I didn't really like it. But uh, maybe I'll go back. I don't I'd, know. I'd recommend those three. They're all pretty damn good. Well, I haven't really seen any of them, but I can recommend extra season one at the very least because yeah. I thought it was very enjoyable. Um, a really interesting study on like the type of freaks who get involved in show business Mm -hmm. (laughs) from people who are in show business. So it's like very, very on the nose. Yeah. Um, 
not on the nose in a bad way, but it's like and and, hits the and nail that the, the freaks head. that are in show business aren't just like egomaniacs. That's not just like that's not the extent of the critique. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it, but it's like there are different types of egomaniacs, and mm-hmm. like some of them are more conniving, and some of them are more obvious than others. Um, yeah, it's a really interesting show. I liked it. So thanks so much for listening to this episode of Generation Loss. Oh, I was going to say see you next time, but then I was like, oh, I'm supposed to do this stuff. Yeah, do all the stuff. <laughs> this yeah. isn't the bonus. <laughs> all right. Thank you so much for listening to the show. Uh, we appreciate you being here. If you'd like to listen to more of our show, go to patreon.com slash generation loss, where you can get a bonus episode every week where we talk about the movie news and sometimes other things, but mostly news. Um, that also gives you access to the Discord where you will get a to watch the movie that we're going to talk about on Monday, the Sunday before that. Don't tell anybody about it. Um, but uh, that's a fun time. Also, follow me on Twitter, Kinematography, Jeremy at Jeremy Thunder. And uh, we'll see you next time. See you next time. Bye. Bye.